This is Binghamton Now on News Radio 1290, WNBF Binghamton, and WNBF.com. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WNBF. Here's Kathy White. Good morning. It's 56 degrees at 904. 20% chance of this rain continuing throughout the day today. We've got kind of a wet start to the morning in downtown Binghamton. And the high today only getting into the mid-50s. A Windsor man will be sentenced in December to up to four years in prison after admitting he threatened to shoot the owner of a motorcycle that he stole. The Broome County District Attorney's Office says 37-year-old Scott Frost pleaded guilty in Broome County Court yesterday to felony robbery in connection with the vehicle theft on August 14th. According to the account from the district attorney's office, Frost reportedly forcibly stole the motorcycle from the owner in the town of Windsor. At the time, the Windsor man was on parole after serving a prison sentence for a 2014 burglary in Tioga County. Frost faces a minimum of two years and up to four years in New York State Prison where he, when he is sentenced in a couple of months. In another case in Broome County Court this week, yesterday, the Broome County District Attorney's Office says a Norwich man is expected to be sent to prison for up to three years. He pleaded guilty to felony possession of a firearm. Authorities say 30-year-old Jordan Moroni was found to have an illegal unlicensed 22 caliber revolver as well as cocaine and methamphetamine in his possession during a traffic stop in the town of Barker last March. WMBF First News Time, 9.05. Binghamton police are investigating an apparent attack on a woman on the east side yesterday afternoon. A motorist who saw a woman being punched near Fairview United Methodist Church around quarter after one stopped at the scene and called police. Witnesses reported the woman who was assaulted apparently was waiting for a BC Transit bus at a bus stop on Robinson Street. Those who saw the incident say a man apparently came out of a nearby home and started grabbing the bag or purse that the woman was holding. They say she hit him in the it hit him with the bag before he started pulling her hair and repeatedly punched her after she fell to the ground. The woman who had been assaulted declined treatment from medics who had responded. A man reportedly was transported from Robinson Street by police. However, the authorities this morning had no additional information. WMBF News Time 906. The former Burlington Coat Factory, now just Burlington, at the Oakdale Mall is going to be closing in less than a week as it moves across the river to a Vestal shopping plaza. Burlington or Burling Coat had been a fixture at the mall since opening an 85,000 square foot store in August of 2003. It had been in space that had been occupied by Bradley's department store. The store is scheduled to close October 9th, although it could shut down sooner if most of the merchandise and stock is gone. The company's website says the new Burlington store in the Town Square Mall in Vestal on the Parkway will likely open on October 28th. The new store is moving into space that had been occupied by an A.C. Moore arts and crafts shop until that company closed all of its stores in 2020. WMBF News Time 907. New York State Police are reminding people they don't make calls to raise money for their police benevolent charity. Troopers say there have been several recent reports being made to the authorities concerning telephone calls that are coming from the 607 area code where the caller is trying to get people to donate to the Police Benevolent Association. New York State Police say 
They, or representatives of their charitable organization, never make telephone calls to solicit donations or conduct any other official business. Troopers say anyone getting one of those calls should just hang up. Do not give out personal information. Similar scams where callers or people sending emails or texts to would-be victims surface occasionally, many times in the spring when some real fund drives for police camps and other programs are underway. Normally, police benevolent groups will post a notification on official sites informing residents when a legitimate money-raising effort is being launched. If residents get a call from someone claiming to represent a police organization, especially with a general name like the Police Officers Association, or the sheriff's association don't and don't give a specific police agency the call most likely is a scam at the very best it may be raising money that's distributed nationwide or even internationally another clue alerting residents of a scam is a call where the so-called charity tries to pressure a person into giving or guilt them into making a contribution Also, be aware of calls where the criminal poses as law enforcement or a court official who claims that the recipient of the call is in some kind of trouble or owes money for a fine or ticket. Those calls are also fake. Police and justice officials do not conduct business over the phone, never ask for personal information, or demand payment either in cash or gift cards. WMBF News Time, 909. The WMBF Twin Tiers forecast clouds today. Just a slight chance of these showers continuing throughout the day, a high only in the mid-50s. Tonight, mostly cloudy with a slight chance of showers, a low in the mid-40s. Tomorrow, the warm-up begins, mostly sunny, a high in the upper 60s to around 70. Mostly sunny on Thursday, a high in the low to mid-70s, and then the bottom drops out again. Friday, partly sunny, a 30% chance of afternoon showers and a high only in the low 60s. Saturday, mostly sunny and a high only in the mid-50s. Currently, it's 42 with light rain in Binghamton. It's 11 past 9 where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WMBF, WMBF.com, and 92.1 FM. Good morning. I'm Bob Joseph. Let the games begin. You can call us now at 607-772-1290 on WNBF. Talking to myself and feeling old. Sometimes I'd like to quit. Nothing ever seems to fit. to do but frown Rainy days and Mondays always get me drowned What I've got they used to call the blues Nothing is really wrong Feeling like I don't the phones we go. John in Binghamton. Good morning. You're on. Hey, Bob. Uh, let me get right to it. Uh, Micron Technology Building, uh, the mother of all chip plants, 
in Clay, New York. Uh, congratulations to Onondaga County. Congratulations to the town of Clay, showing that upstate New York is far from dead if the right people are in charge. I've mentioned the fact that I've been around the state for about a year working in nooks and crannies all over, uh, you know, from Geneva to Utica and on and on. And I, I, my sense was that things were going much better uh, in other places in New York State, upstate, than in Binghamton and Broome County. And I think this bears me out. You know, when you asked Jason Garner on Thursday, you know, why are taxes down 11% in Onondaga County? You know, he just blew that off. He didn't he, he didn't say, well, geez, I better get a copy of that budget and look it over and, and go over the percentages and, and see where they're allocating money uh, versus where I'm allocating money. Uh, but he just uh, uh, poo-pooed the whole thing. Uh, now, all this is in the backdrop why, why local politicians have outsourced our economic development, essentially, to the university. Uh, and they're bringing in a no-name penny stock uh, Australian battery consortium. And uh, uh, the people that are going to work there, after all these promises of thousands and thousands of jobs uh, starting uh, this year or starting last year or starting two years ago, uh, what what they uh, have done is most of these employees that are going to be working up there initially and for years are university employees. So it, there isn't even a lot of new employees that are going to be there. These are the grant hustlers, the researchers, uh, the people that make a living like this, and they're just going from the university campus over to Endicott. Add to the fact that this so-called redevelopment company, Phoenix, if you go to the public record, uh, they're transferring all these properties, uh, these problem properties, and they've divided it, much like EIT was uh, separated from the real estate with Huron. Uh, they're redividing these parcels, selling them to uh, Cayman Island concerns. Nobody really Excuse knows. me? Cayman yeah. Islands? That's, I'm sorry, That's uh, those keywords pop up. Cayman Islands. Okay, continue. That's uh, uh, Pardon me for interrupting. I'll just say Cayman Islands got my attention there. Yeah, so uh, this, is, this is what they're doing. So far from being this big uh, uh, developer, uh, these people are, are bottom feeders. Uh, they're paper issuers. Uh, any responsible public uh, official that looks at all the deed transfers that have gone on, and I'm not talking about the initial deed transfers, but right up into the state, realize that something fishy is going on, and somebody at some time is going to be stuck with a hot potato. I mean, we know the site is polluted. We know how much it's going to cost uh, to to make it right, if it can be made right. And, well, that's uh, another thing. Can it be made right? One of the things that isn't being discussed, at least not publicly, it has been discussed privately, but can you redevelop a site that was basically, um, I guess, the epicenter of IBM's infamous <clears throat> plume? We'll call it a plume. Yeah. I mean, what the DEC... As far as I know, the DEC is still going to stick its environmental nose into things. I'm I'm not 100% assured that much of anything can be done there. I know we've heard 
um, very optimistic, forward-looking statements from a number of people about the potential of developing that site along North Street between McKinley and Hayes Avenues. I personally am not convinced that the Department of Environmental Conservation is actually going to allow it. Well, I think you're right. And I think, uh, you know, as the Charles Street Business Park proves, uh, taking a site and demolishing it is just the beginning. And uh, what emerges after that is uh, a speculation. But we're involved in highly risky, speculative, uh, quote-unquote, investments here. And we have, and essentially what we've got is a truck depot in Conklin and a university. Now, uh, again, let's go to Utica, the Wynn Hospital, a brand new, and it looks fabulous from the outside, $2 billion facility with, with, uh, announced over the summer, a 150,000 square foot medical office complex. these people, they seem to have, uh, you know, we've given up. See, this this thing with the university, what happens is, oh, well, the university is going to take care of our economic development. Let's, let's not even apply or chase. You know, Micron at one time had its sights set on in Glendale. So uh, the world is changing. Upstate New York is changing. Uh, 300 jobs, postal jobs in Utica, Bob, uh, for a mail sorting center, you know, the kind we used to have in downtown Binghamton. Oh, yeah. Now that's that's the Postal Service moved out of there. Well, you right, know, what's right. the story there, man? Yeah, so what I'm saying to you, what I'm saying to you, first of all, you need some degree of talent and some degree of brains. I mean, I, I hate to say it. Uh, and, and then you need energy. Uh, Jason Garner, low energy. Jared Cram, low energy. Uh, Joe Mahalko, low energy. I mean, Dan Reynolds, low energy. Douglas uh, Walter Drazen, high energy. Uh, high energy. I'm just saying because I was trying yeah. to think of a person in Binghamton, although I haven't spoken with Mr. Drazen in some time, but he always came across to me during the times that he was running for mayor or involved in anything, even talk shows, high energy. Yeah. While, while we are fooling around with all these subsidized housing ventures, and, and we, we have to ask ourselves, and con- congratulations to Burn Dairy from what I know of those places, that's full taxation uh, uh, operations. But other than that, there's not a lot to crow about here, and we need to wrestle our fate and decouple our fate from the fate of the university, which has had already deleterious consequences in the Binghamton housing market. Do you think that the university university still has more stuff to tear down in Johnson City? Do you think they want to tear stuff down in Endicott next? Uh, Yes, and let me say this. You know how skeptical I've been about the incubator and about the Johnson City presence. Uh, What I've said so far has come true. There's not any meaningful... Uh, private sector development going on in downtown John City. In, in fact, there has been, and they've, see, people don't understand this. Uh, when you're an entitlement community like the town of Union, you need impoverished census tracts. If you don't have those census tracts, you don't get the federal uh, transfer payments. But, but let me just put it all in a nutshell for you, just one more thing. 
because you're hearing about people that are want to go to Albany to fight for us, to fight for ta- the taxpayers. Now, the fact of the matter is that these people, if they want to fight inflation, put their resume into the Federal Reserve Board. Uh, if they want to do something about energy export. Uh, exploration, uh, send their resume to Exxon. But here's the point, Bob. Uh, When these people were in these municipal offices, and some still are, uh, they viewed the state and federal transfer payments as a, a, a good thing, as a wonderful news. There are partners in Albany, our partners in Washington. Now they're telling you, now that they want to switch gears, that they can go up there and they're going to fight for lower taxes, they're going, I mean, this is absurd uh, that an assembly person or a state senator from the state of New York could do something about gasoline prices and inflation uh, when they have contributed with their record borrowing and spending to the local uh, imbalance in our economy. So uh, don't buy a pig in a poke, but look, things, I, I think it's time that we realize that our competition is not in these great growth uh, places in uh, North Carolina, South Carolina, Florida. Our competition is right above us on the map, 60, 80, 100 miles away from here, and we are losing just awful. Thank you. That's John from Binghamton kicking things off on our Tuesday morning, 922. The forecast from the National Weather Service, mostly sunny today at a high of 78. Oh, wait, that's an imaginary forecast. Cloudy today with showers, high 57. Tonight, cloudy, showers 43. Tomorrow, mostly sunny, 70. Thursday, mostly sunny, 74. Right now in downtown Binghamton, it's uh, rather chilly. It's uh, sort of raw. As the rain continues to fall. Joined now by Karen Sweet O'Neill from Karen Sweet O'Neill, KSO Insurance Solutions. Good morning. Good morning, Bob. How are you? Super. Super duper? Yep. Love the Karen Carpenter song. Oh my gosh, isn't that beautiful? <laughs> I miss Karen. And I she do too. she and her brother Richard brought us so much great music. They did. Yeah, we grew up with that. Mm-hmm. And just sure. well-crafted, well-written. They don't write them like that anymore. I mean, I I like current music as much as the next guy, but I have to admit, yeah, I don't know that we'll ever see uh, or hear a duo like Karen and Richard Carpenter again. Well, probably not with the same style of music. Anyway. Right. But you never right. know. On the other hand, sometimes... Sometimes things are cyclical, so who knows what will be popular five years from now. At this point in 2022, you would think that genre of music is just in the rearview mirror, but sometimes things come back. So maybe, maybe some people will be inspired by the music that the Carpenters and some other artists from the 70s um, did, and maybe... Maybe in five or ten years, it'll make a comeback, and people will say, eh, that sounds vaguely familiar. Quite possible. So stay tuned. All right. So what's on your mind this week? So we are going to talk this week about um, Medicare open enrollment, and the reason we have to keep doing that is because it's a very important time 
for people that are on Medicare, there's a lot of changes this year. Um, and we want to make sure that people, you know, don't miss that October 15th to December 7th window. Also, in addition to that, and uh, we spoke about this last week, and we'll continue to speak about this until we can, uh, you know, hopefully help as many people out with the IBM retiree change um, for people that are on Medicare, Bob, because what they're doing is they're basically saying, okay, you had your HRA money, and that's, you know, some people got 3000 a year, 3500 maybe 2800 depending on the person and their family situation, to uh, utilize that those proceeds that were put in from IBM um, income tax-free so that they could reimburse themselves for their Medicare um, additional premiums, whether that be, you know, a Medicare Advantage plan or a supplemental plan or a prescription drug plan. But that's going to change, and that's going to change January 1. And IBM slash United Healthcare that is making the change is asking the IBM retirees to do this by December 16th. So you might say, well, gee, that's a long way away, but it really isn't because there are so many IBM retirees. It's not just in our area, and it affects all of them nationwide. So what we're doing is we're encouraging people to make their appointments now, whether they're a client or they want to be a client. We're bringing them in the office. They don't have to wait until October 15th. They're not under that Medicare rule. And we're calling them directly, IBM um, Retiree Center, and we're signing them up and explaining to them how these programs are going to work. They have two choices. Because what they're doing, Bob, is they're piecemealing out this information in the mail. So people are sitting there saying, gee, I don't have enough information. So we have quite a bit of information um, that we can share with them uh, that they haven't received yet, and then we can get them all taken care of, and then they're done. And actually, it's a really good program if they pick the right one. So, And for people that are not on the IBM uh, retiree train, they also need to choose their Medicare Advantage plan, their prescription drug plan, their supplemental plan, and we're going to talk about, you know, seminars that are coming up and things like that, and should you, shine up, should you sign up at a seminar or should you wait, and all those sorts of things. All right. Well, I can tell you one thing. I'll be here. Well, I hope you are. Well, yeah. uh-huh. so uh, why don't we talk about that tomorrow morning, say, around 920? Is that, uh, does that work for you? 920 works for me. All right. All right, so if anybody would like to get a hold of us, make appointments now, and we're encouraging that. We're pretty darn busy, Bob. 607-772-4898. They can Google us at KSO Insurance. All our contact information comes up, or simply go to a phone book, and we have a big display ad under insurance in the yellow pages. All right, very good. Um, Hope you have a great day. Remember, there may be a little rain, but that's just... To help the flowers grow in November. What do October showers bring? November flowers. So something to look forward to. Yeah. Well, you're such an optimist. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. Have a great day. Thanks, Bob. Okay. Take care. 928 WNBF. More calls coming up at 607-772-1290. If you would like to submit an email for my approval, 
Send it to Bob at WNBF.com. This month. WNBF taking calls now. It's Larry and Kirkwood. Morning. Hey. What's up? Is, is that is that Jive talking? I'm afraid it is. <laughs> and for guessing the song du jour, you've just won a 2023 Buick. Come down to WNBF the next 10 minutes and pick up the keys to your brand new Buick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that, that was uh, that was pretty neat. That wasn't even rehearsed, was it? No, 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 no. That was good, Bob. I love those BGs, the Brothers Gib. I used to call oh, them. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's a sad thing, though. Is there's only one left. Every one of them died except mm. for Barry. You know? Yeah, That's yeah. But sad. like the like the Carpenters uh, talk yeah. about family operations. The Carpenters and the Gibbs gave us so much great music for so many yeah, years. Yeah. I wish we could call Karen Carpenter back from heaven for one day and just hear her sweet voice again, oh, you know? Wonderful. Yeah. She and her brother did yeah. so much great work. Yeah, I absolutely love the Carpenters. <laughs> well, I was listening to Preston today, and he said, uh, now looking forward to the winter, you know, the first winter in Binghamton, New York. And uh, I'm going to say, after 62 years of life, I'm still not used to winter. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know. Does that look good forward to it? It happens. But I'll say this about winter, and I've been thinking about the approach of winter over the last few weeks because we have uh, much less daylight and temperatures, mm. average temperatures, of course, are trending down. But the one thing that I have been mm. mulling over, the fact is, here in upstate New York with our fall and winter weather it helps us to better appreciate the spring and summer weather we have i know that's yeah. that's small consolation some people would say yeah well if we could just have weather like in hawaii all the time well then i would appreciate it no you wouldn't the people trust me the people in hawaii where they have probably 310 sunny days a year i don't think they fully appreciate maybe they do Especially if they aren't natives, I I would think that the people who are Hawaiian natives don't fully appreciate the beauty, the beauty that they really enjoy with with the weather. So, but you know, again, into um, every life, some rain and snow must fall. Yeah. Now I think some people out in that radio land are probably screaming at me because I think I said. Preston said that. No, it was James who said that. <laughs> yeah, well, I think we knew Sorry. We knew what you I meant. Knew. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, well, be careful out there. Yeah, yeah. I guess it's just going to stay safe. Oh, hey, how do you like the fact that it's going to be warm the next two days? Well, yeah, I'm looking forward I'm to that. I'm, I'm going to wear my uh, T-shirt and shorts in. Uh, maybe not yeah. tomorrow, because I don't think it's going to be really warm tomorrow. Thursday sounds... Pretty nice, seventy three. Guess tomorrow I'll be close to seventy. So you know, yeah, yeah. maybe I'll uh, bring my hibachi and cook some lamb speedies here in the studio. Sounds good. Wouldn't that be go. fun? All right, something to look All forward right. to. Hope, you, hope you have a great day. Okay, man. Bye. 
9.35 from WNBF. On the WNBF hotline, Ron from Binghamton. Good morning. Good morning, Bob. Say your discussion of winter made me think of uh, an analogy, you know, for uh, a person. It'd be like a person saying, you know, my migraine headaches aren't so bad because it feels so good when they stop. You know, kind of like. Oh, I, I certainly, I certainly did acknowledge that it was not, <laughs> not going to be widely received or accepted by all. But yeah, yeah, that's. I'll be the first to say I, I wouldn't mind. I really wouldn't mind having temperatures in the 70s year-round, but, you know, such, as someone once said, such is life. Yeah. Hey, Bob, uh, the reason I called this morning, there's an interesting article in our local press in in the uh, USA, I guess you'd say, section, uh, page, uh, page NN3. And oh, you mean on the electronic edition. Hold on. You know, that, I love that. They, you know, I pay good money, well, not good money, but a lot of money for their print edition. And so what do they send me today? They, the, the person, she dropped off a paper. It's two eight-page sections. So now, instead of enjoying my print edition, now I have to go online to see page NN1. Hold on while I see what you're talking about. Hold on. NN3, Bob. Yeah, it would be too much for them just to print this like a normal newspaper. All right, hold on. Later that same day on, and now they pop up ads, you know. Of course, I'm not complaining, just observing. Hold on, NN3. So which one? Trump rallies drift into fringe territory, that one? Yeah, yeah. I see it now on my electronic edition. Yeah, you see the lady there, the picture of her holding up. <laughs> I see that. That's that's pretty cool. I I wish they would print her phone number. Yeah, I'm Did kidding. I'm ever, kidding. Do you have a bridge to sell her? Is that why? No, she looks like my oh. type. Oh, oh. oh okay. her name is Paige. Oh. Oh, yes, that's true. That's Paid true. Page on page 3NN, and she's holding up a very beautiful sign. I commend her for her originality. That's well, a, that, not, isn't that a beautiful sign? It is. It, it, uh, it's more it's of a banner. It's I guess it's yeah. more of a banner than a sign, but still, Page has good taste. Yeah, uh, and it's interesting. Of course, I'm going to read the banner. The banner says, Trump won Save America, uh, kind of kind of interesting that uh, uh, she and she believes in. If you go into that article, if Trump uh, comes back in twenty twenty four as president, and he may come back sooner, according to her. Oh gosh, I hope so. I hope he comes back before January twentieth, twenty twenty five. I'm I'm getting tired of waiting. Did you see the the quote from her? They feature. We have to listen to underground news to get yes. the truth of what's going on really yes yes well uh you know what what caught me about this article and something else i'm going to refer to 
was that a couple of weeks ago, I had a guest column in our newspaper, uh, which alluded to, well, didn't allude to, it, it uh, spoke of Trump uh, in the context of being a con man. And uh, that, that was a couple of weeks ago in the, in the Sunday paper. And uh, interestingly, uh, I saw on uh, TV the other day, Oh, did I lose you? No, hold on. I, I think that's uh, an email from the former guy. Oh, no. No, sorry. I was okay. hoping. I was, you know me, I was hoping it was something from the former guy, but no such luck. Uh, sorry for the untimely intrusion. Oh, no problem. Um, but Maggie Haberman was on TV, and in fact, I ordered her book. I'm, I'm going to get it in the next couple of days. Maggie Haberman, uh, she must have read my column and quickly put a book, a book together. Uh, she uh, has written a book entitled Confidence Man, The Making of Donald Trump and the Breaking of America. Now, what's interesting, Maggie Haberman is a seasoned reporter, a political person, and she has interviewed Donald Trump going back like 20 years when he far before he was running for president uh, she she has followed him and she's written this book about him and she says that although he would strike out against her and call her a third-rate reporter and such uh, he still could not keep away from letting her interview him by the and, way that all the stuff, the few, well, not the few times, the repeated times that he has criticized her publicly, we know what's going on. I mean, he, it's not it's not serious criticism. It's just for his base because, look, he does, and he, he has, and I believe going forward indefinitely, he'll continue to confide in her. I mean, the guy, the former guy's personality is intriguing. On the one hand... He, he likes to play the victim and make it sound like the mainstream media, including the New York Liberal Times, the Washington Liberal Post, and the uh, liberal reporters at the Wall Street Journal, to be separate from the opinion people, they're all against him. And yet he still does interviews with people like Maggie Haberman and others with the so-called liberal media. He can't help himself. He loves it. He loves it, and he parlays every time, say, if Maggie Haberman does a story that could be perceived by some as somehow uh, slanted against the former guy, it helps him raise millions of dollars and more money. So it's he needs her, she needs him. It's a very symbiotic relationship. I'm fascinated by it, and I, well, I won't go there. I'll, I'll save that for our night show, but I'll, I'll just say... They have a very, very, very interesting relationship. Yes. I th the thing that interests me about that, Bob, uh, yes, it is a symbiotic kind of relationship. They both get benefits from, from their relationship. That's uh, By the way, that's, uh, you, you hit the nail right on the head. It sounds like friends with benefits. Yes. And if yes. I'll, I'll just say this, and again, won't go any further. I'll just say if I was Melanie, I'd be a little perturbed. Well, uh, I, the, the, again, the thing that 
the deepest roots of this, what interests me, the, the, the depth psychology of it. And, and it's this, when, when uh, Stephanopoulos the other day was interviewing Maggie Haberman about the things we're talking about, she said, uh, he said to her, he asked her, what is it? What, what is it? And, and, and we, we mentioned the symbiotic thing. But she points out uh, that the, the, at the deepest level, Donald Trump has a pathological need for attention. Exactly. He used to sit there, and there's a pretty good reason to believe he still sits there, when the print edition of the New York Times or the print edition of the Washington Post get delivered to Mar-a-Lago, he sits there and actually counts the number of times that his name appears in the paper. He does that. It's just like when the, when the um, people came to Mar-a-Lago to try to take back documents that belonged to the American people, they should have been turned back over to the National Archives. They found a bunch of framed covers of the former guy uh, pictured on the front page of uh, noted Newsweekly. So, yeah, he loves attention. He always has. He always will. And, I mean, that's, that's a given. Even when the legendary satirical monthly magazine called spy in the 80s was featuring him on the cover in sometimes unflattering ways he actually loved it well bob the the thing uh, which is super interesting about the phenomenon we're talking about and we we can we can say we can agree that trump has a pathological need for attention but how do so many millions of people by this point, by this point, don't see that pathological uh, need in, in this man and rally behind him like a bunch of sheep? Now, I can see where you vote for him in 2016. Okay, vote for Trump. He's a, a newcomer. Maybe we need a newcomer, whatever. But then we get into four years of viewing this pathology close up and how it ends up in the ultimate uh, sense of January 6th, where that pathology becomes a danger to our society in the transfer of power. How do we still the people that still hold on to this, Bob, is the interesting thing. Uh, uh, It's more fascinating than Trump is the fact that he has millions of people that go for the con, that accept the con. They embrace it. And why shouldn't they? He says things that they have been thinking. He still does. And that was one of the secrets to his early political success, and that explains his ongoing political success. He will still say things that most polite people won't say in public. They might say it among their close friends, but most people know if you say some of this stuff the former guy still says in public, it's not going to look good. The optics won't be good, and many people will think poorly of you. So basically, he's you could say he's a spokesperson for the silent minority. Remember, I think Nixon used to talk about the silent majority. This is the silent minority who know better. And again, 
there are some people who support the former guy and are willing to say some of that stuff publicly. But most people, most people know some of those things you can't say in public in polite society, and they refrain. But they're very pleased that the former guy has no such constraints because he's a purported billionaire. And as you know, people with lots of money, basically, in our society, are allowed to say what they want. They get away with it. Most other people of normal means can't get away with it. We would lose our job. We would lose our friends. Certainly would lose our reputation. For him, it only enhances his reputation as the bad boy of American politics. Well, Bob, I contend that his base is diminishing. And the people who are still in that base, Bob, we happen to see who are they. They are, on all, in all aspects, they're deniers. They deny that the news is true. They deny this climate change. They deny that uh, COVID-19 is real. These are the people that still stay attached to Donald Trump, the deniers. And, and, and they easily can deny that there's not something wrong with them. Well, I, I don't know if his base is actually getting smaller it probably is i think i think many many maybe not most but many of his strongest supporters are are tired of it the novelty has worn off the uh, as somebody once saying the song remains the same we've heard it all before uh that's why Republicans like Governor Rick DeSantis, is it Ron DeSantis, Governor DeSantis in Florida and uh, Governor Abbott in Texas will probably, for most Republicans, appear to be better potential nominees for 2024 than the former guy. But who knows? I'm, I'm not in the business of predicting. I'm in the business of observing. It's 949. This is Bob Joseph making a few observations and listening to the voices of the American people. 607-772-1290 or send an email to bob at wnbf.com. side. This is Bob Joseph. 607-772-1290. Because we care. WNBF, good morning. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? I'm your favorite caller. Who? Tom? Yeah, I'm your favorite caller. From where? Where, where are you from, Tom? Okay. What's up? What's on your mind? I just wanted to talk about your last interview with that guy and on a variety of uh, subjects. Well, go on. I'm, I'm all ears. Oh, I'm all ears. I, I wanted to talk about when he was talking about peaceful transfer of power. Um, <clears throat> you know, I, 
you know, he's talking about, like, basically the Trumpsters and people that are following him, like, sheep and, you know, those things. I just, I just think that he, you know, he likes to talk out one side of his mouth, but, you know, don't talk about the other side. And, like, I, me personally, I can care less if Trump becomes in office ever again. I just think people need to wake up to what's really going on. I agree. That's, we, we share... We share that uh, belief. People ought to wake up to what's going on. And I think the sooner they wake up to what's going on, the better. Well, yeah. In 2016, there was not a peaceful transfer of power by the Democratic Party. They started creating all kinds of lies. They started creating all kinds of uh, investigations. They continued the investigations. And if they could have overturned it, they would have. That was not a peaceful transfer of power. They were calling him a legitimate president. They were well, how come they didn't hold an insurrection? Because they didn't think of it? They started rioting in the street as soon as he was elected. Did you forget about that? There was people destroying, breaking windows. Some cars were set on fire. Why didn't they go? Why didn't they go to the Capitol and try to prevent the peaceful trans, uh, transition from the the one administration to the next? They didn't think of going to the Capitol and and taking on Capitol police and trespassing into uh, a federal building on the day that Congress was about to certify the election. Why didn't they do that? I mean, they they. They did it. They did it when Kavanaugh was. No, they didn't. They didn't do it in January of 2017. So they didn't hold an insurrection. They allowed the election from November 2016 to be certified, and there was a transfer of power. They didn't have the previous occupant of the office pitching a fit and saying that the election was rigged you know if people want to say they didn't like the election results that's one thing but heck they didn't they didn't stage uh all sorts of uh trouble at the nation's capital when congress was doing its job to certify the results of the election listen that election was so much different than any other election we've ever had in history there's no way that you could sit there and 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 honestly say that there was some strange things happening during that election. You know, every every year they always announced the winner that night. This took months. Like, it was just, it wasn't right. The mass mail, ballot, um, mail-in ballot, you know. By the way, you're incorrect. The finalized results never have been available on the night of the election. Final voting results cannot and will not be available in a presidential election for days, probably for weeks. This is a big country. You can't get a final vote count uh, within minutes or hours of the polls closing in this great land called America. Well, even Nadler said that mass, mass mail-in ballots is nothing but fraud. If you go back and you listen to these Democrats when they talked about the mass mail-in ballot, they'll tell you everything that the, the conservatives were saying. You know, and then 
I, I just don't, I just don't understand. Like, you know, you like to talk about the 2020 insurrection and like how cops are treated, but you don't ever want to talk about the summer riots and how the cops are treated. You know, you don't ever want to talk about that. That was your democratic people that you support. No, I have no, I have no, I have no democratic people that I support. So, I mean, you've listened to the program long enough. I don't have Democratic or Republican people I support. No. When you when you sit there and, and you have a full-on conversation of going after Donald Trump, but you won't have any conversation about what happened during the summer riots, how Trump was treated out of the gate, it, they, they lied about it. The Russia collusion, the, the dossier, it, it's already been proven that it was a lie. But and, and that last caller will say, yeah, people keep believing, you know, the, their news, but call the other news fake. What was what was true about the Russia collusion? I mean, they've already proved it was a lie. And they spent millions and millions of dollars on investigation after investigation after investigation. You know, Hillary, even Hillary Clinton's emails, they didn't go after her like they are Trump. No, that's true. But she's not threatening to run again. Thank you for your call. It's 9.58. Bob Joseph on WNBF. For nearly 9956. Don't wait. Call now. 800-315-9956. 800-315-9956. Bob Joseph on the air till noon right here on WNBF Binghamton and WNBF.com. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. Here's Kathy White. Good morning. It's 44 degrees. We still have some showery activity in downtown Binghamton. And a north wind at 12 miles an hour drops our temperature into the 30s as far as what it feels like. The wind chill being put at 38. High today, only into the mid-50s. 40% chance of more intense showers cropping back up later on this afternoon. Four people are being charged in connection with the theft of a utility terrain vehicle side-by-side on Old State Road in the town of Kirkwood late Sunday night. The Broome County Sheriff's officials say 45-year-old Michael Benedict of Binghamton, 42-year-old Stephen Parson of Green, along with 56-year-old Melissa Johnson and 36-year-old Patrick Hill, both of Smithville Flats, were arrested in the incident. According to a report from the Sheriff's Office, patrols responded to an area of 581 Old State Road with a call about a 2020 light utility trailer with a 2020 Polaris side-by-side on top being stolen. A neighbor heard of a vehicle with a loud muffler and also heard a commotion outside, checked it out and saw a dark-colored older model pickup truck towing the trailer westbound on Old State Road, throwing off sparks toward the ground from that trailer jack dragging on the pavement. The neighbor said he knew the trailer and UTV had been parked near his home and the owner lives in Skinny Atlas. Deputies tracked the gouges in the road for several miles to Monroe Street in the city of Binghamton. They found the trailer and its mangled jack, but not the UTV. While deputies were talking to the residents on Monroe Street, they saw a 2005 Nissan pickup truck matching the description given by the neighbor on Old State Road drive by with four people inside. Authorities say they stopped the truck with Benedict, Parson, Johnson, and Hill in it, and ended up finding the UTV on Cross Street. All four suspects are charged with two counts each of felony grand larceny. They were sent to the Broome County Jail. 
WMBF News Time 1006. A new Milford man is facing a number of charges after struggling with law enforcement officials as they attempted to take him into custody on an arrest warrant. Pennsylvania State Police say around 1040 Wednesday morning, members of the Susquehanna County Sheriff's Department contacted 51-year-old Zacchaeus Shadakis on Main Street in Susquehanna as they were looking for him on an active warrant. According to the authorities, after deputies determined Shadakis was their man, they attempted to take him into custody. At that point, the 51-year-old reportedly struggled with the deputies, all ended up on the ground, with one of the officers hitting his knee on the sidewalk. That deputy suffered scrapes and swelling in both knees and was treated at Endless Mountains Hospital. The state police say Sadekas was taken to the Susquehanna County Correctional Facility, where a routine intake inventory was conducted to log his personal property. Authorities say at that time, the Montrose man was found to have a small Ziploc plastic bag containing a white crystal substance inside, along with two glass smoking devices in the backpack he had been wearing at the time of his arrest. Authorities have indicated Shadakis is being charged with resisting arrest and causing bodily injury. Other charges also stemming from the incident have been filed through district court. WMBF News Time, 1008. A woman trying to help a Susquehanna County man avoid the long arm of the law is now also tangled in the legal system. Pennsylvania State Police say authorities were looking for 22-year-old James Mitchell IV of Susquehanna shortly after 2 in the afternoon on September 23rd when they showed up at a home on Pleasant Avenue at Elm Street in Susquehanna Depot Borough. They were conducting their follow-up investigation and 48-year-old Sylvia Rollins apparently had a change of heart. She admitted hiding Mitchell in her attic since she knew he had an active warrant against him. According to the news release from the Pennsylvania State Police, quote, Mitchell was hauled out of the attic and failed to respond to several commands. Mitchell is charged with flight to avoid apprehension. In addition to the charge on the outstanding warrant, Police have not said what charges Rollins is facing, but they indicated that she was placed under arrest as well. A New York State task force created after a 2018 limousine crash is issuing a safety report. It's recommending equipping vehicles with side impact protection devices. They also say it's a good idea to take those limos off the road after a certain number of miles. In September 2018, a Ford Excursion sport utility vehicle that had been converted into a stretch limousine crashed in Schoharic, New York, after speeding through a T-intersection without stopping. The driver and 17 people in the limo were killed, along with two pedestrians. It was the deadliest U.S. transportation accident in nearly a decade, pushing lawmakers to pass a package of limousine safety legislation. WMBF News Time, 10.09. The WMBF Twin Tiers forecast, cloudy today, a 40% chance of showers, high in the mid-50s. Tonight, mostly cloudy, a 30% chance of showers, a low in the mid-40s. Mostly sunny tomorrow, a high in the upper 60s to around 70. Thursday, mostly sunny, a high in the low to mid-70s. Friday, partly sunny, a 30% chance of afternoon showers, a high in the low 60s and saturday mostly sunny a high only in the mid 50s currently 44 in binghamton with a north wind at 12 miles an hour it feels more like it's about 38. it's 10 11 where news breaks first news radio 1290 wmbf wmbf.com and 92.1 fm 
here we go. Hour number two. Number two. Number two. 607-772-1290 is the number if you'd like to talk. And also send an email to bob at wnbf.com. Yeah, it's a Tuesday morning in progress. Enjoy. Good sense, ill sense, crippling mankind. Dead kings, many things I can define. Occasions, buzz, wagons, brother, your mind. In the sense of compliments, the color of time. Who cares what games we choose? There's good news for America and specifically for New York State with the announcement that Micron Technologies is prepared to dump up to $100 billion into a chip plant here in upstate New York. Let's go live to Governor Kathy Hochul sharing the great news for upstate New York. Like my dad and grandpa worked at a steel plant. Grandpa stayed there his entire career. My uncle stayed there their entire career. That's what New Yorkers do. They work hard, and we talked about that. So for me, as the first upstate governor in 100 years, this is a personal quest, and failure was not an option. After months of dinners and phone calls and Zoom meetings and working so closely with the senator to strategize on what we needed to be done and how to work with Washington, and deepening our personal relationships, which are important to all of us, deepening our relationships, we knew we could make the impossible actually possible. And as I mentioned, one of the things we had to overcome was getting a solid project labor agreement in place. Greg Lancet, thank you. You were an important part of this. Also, the second thing that had to happen, we did have to get the federal legislation through. And thank God we have someone with the influence and the desire to make this happen as the majority leader from New York. I do believe that that was critical in the success of that getting through. But also, New York had to be competitive with every other state. And as the federal bill was making its way through, we saw our opportunity. The legislature was still in session. We started drafting our own with the support of the legislature just days after the federal law looked like it was going to be successful. I signed the nation leading green chips bill right here in New York. And what we find is that because Micron's goals and values as a company align so closely with New York's they were fully on board with everything that our green chips, notice the word uh, emphasis on green, because we knew that they would make commitments to our environment, sustainability, and to the community at large. Measures like ensuring re using renewable energy for their electricity, achieving high levels of energy efficiency, and meeting our greenhouse emission standards. This is a leader who's now raised the bar for other companies by meeting these standards, and the beneficiaries the children who aren't even born yet, who will find upstate New York their home because of this project. We're doing this for generations to come, these investments. They want to have a long-term lasting impact on our environment and not just Mother Earth, but also the environment of the community and reaching out to underserved communities. As we mentioned, Syracuse right here. There's a lot of people who need a good job. They need that training. They need our veterans who need that extra help when they come back from their service. So over $500 million invested in supporting the training of people and giving them that hope and that opportunity. And I just want to say my final comments here. In my State of the State address, I said I would jumpstart the economy and ensure that New York State was the most business-friendly and the most worker-friendly state in the nation. Micron 
is one of those companies who gave New York State a second look, and a third look, and a fourth look. They're here a lot. Uh, because of our pro-growth policies, and especially now, I believe that this will be a catalyst for more supply chain companies to come here as well. New York is being seen as the place businesses want to be. And from across the nation, the best and brightest minds will continue to come here. But there's one more final reason I want to mention on why I believe at this particular time in our nation's history, with everything that's happening, that New York is the place to be. And as New York's first woman governor, here's my message to all companies out there. New York will always protect basic health rights of women. We'll always support the LGBTQ community. We'll always celebrate diversity, the rights of diverse populations. And more than other, any other state, I will say we cherish the rights of all. And we'll continue to be that beacon of hope and the advancement of progress that has always been in our DNA. So to Sanjay and the Micron family, we thank you for embracing these same values and your confidence in New York is something we absolutely share. This is a point of enormous pride. My heart is still pacing, racing because it's extraordinary. This could have slipped away and it didn't. It's here today. This is powerful. So I say thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart, Sanjay, for just giving us a whole new lease on life here in the state of New York. And another important partner in this is the county executive from Onondaga. Uh, he actually represents the town of Clay, and I was thinking about the word Clay. And I reminded that for early man, Clay was a foundation. You built with Clay. You made things with Clay. And as a result of this, today out of Clay, the town of Clay, we'll build the foundation of the future. And that is our key, and the key is to have local partners. With that, let me welcome County Executive Ryan McMahon. All right, we heard uh, remarks from New York Governor Kathy Hochul. Of course, a very important announcement coming exactly five weeks before Election Day. In case you're just joining us, Micron Technology claims it will spend up to $100 billion to construct a bunch of computer chip plants in the town of Clay outside Syracuse. And Governor Hochul spoke for a few minutes. We heard some of her remarks prior to that. U.S. Senator Charles Schumer spoke, expressing excitement about the new facility. He said, this is incredible and transformative news for Central New York and for the entire U.S. economy. Senator Schumer, according to Syracuse.com, said it's going to make Central New York one of the centers of high-end chip manufacturing, not just in the United States, but in the world. And also speaking, you heard Governor Hochul make reference to Sanjay. She was referring to Micron President and CEO Sanjay Marotra. And according to Syracuse.com, Mr. Marotra said Micron would build up to four separate semiconductor fabrication plants and phases at the 1,300-acre site. The first project would employ 3,000 people in one $20 billion plant that would begin production in the latter half of the decade. Site preparation would begin next year. 
course, I caution, we've heard this all before, as far as job projections, timelines, and so on. So, always take these initial stories with several grains of salt. Now, if it happens, and the headline on the Syracuse.com website says the huge computer chip plant would bring up to 9,000 jobs. That's what it says. So, if, if it happens, New York can celebrate. If it brings up to 9,000 jobs. And again, the announcement coming exactly five weeks before Election Day. We'll be taking calls now. If you want to um, share in the excitement of Micron Technologies picking the town of Clay for its new project, call us at 607-772-1290. We're live on a Tuesday morning. Great excitement for upstate New York. I'm Bob Joseph. On News Radio, WNBF 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, and always available on the free WNBF app. You can see the. Bob Joseph on Tuesday. Let's take a call. It's Vic from the Forks. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Bob. I know how you are because I heard other people ask. Listen, uh, I, I wasn't calling about Clay, New York, but I did listen to Kathy Hochul's. And I'm, I was just wondering, uh, this is besides what I wanted to talk about. I was just wondering, uh, is Clay going to become the next Endicott with the millions of tons of chemicals they're going to be using in that uh, microelectronic chip plant? Uh, you know, there, there's a downside to everything, I guess. That's what I No, she was talking about all the uh, the greenness of it all. So it was going to be a, a green. They're green chips, not, not regular chips, where they pollute the environment and make life miserable for decades to come. It'll be green chips from Micron Technologies. Yeah, but green chips can't be made without chemicals, Bob. That's the funny part of it. Just... Well, I didn't say they could. I'm just saying what Kathy Hochul was asserting five weeks before Election Day. And, and uh, I hope a reporter digs into it and finds out how much uh, they're getting in tax breaks. That the... At least $5.5 not million, at least $5.5 
in incentives from the state and probably hundreds of millions, if not billions, from the federal government. So, you know, it's suffice it to say it's another case where lots and lots and lots of taxpayer dollars will be used to incentivize this wonderful project. Whatever happened to doing things on the merit of itself? Oh, come on, man. You know, Vic, you've lived in this country for several decades, so you know the way things work. Building things on their merits, come on. That that barely worked in the 20th century. It can't work in the 21st century where you have states competing against each other for fabulous computer chip plants. Chip plants? No, on to what I called about, and I agree with you, Bob, but on to what I called about. Yesterday, I went shopping for a ton of coal for my coal stove. The prices jumped from $300 a ton to $545, and it's $560 if you use a credit card. So much for cashless society uh, when it comes to buying fuel for your home. And it was total sticker shock, total sticker shock to see that price. Uh, I'm going to get rid of my coal stove, and I'm going to start burning wood again. It's a lot cheaper, and I have plenty of it on my property. But um, people buy those things to save money, and now they cost more than fuel oil. Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention, Bob, is after I called yesterday and talked about the Adirondacks uh, having no uh, wind or solar farms, another person called in right after I hung up and said the Adirondacks, the 6 million acres in the Adirondacks, are protected by state regulations and forestry and all that. And that's that's probably true. I, I don't know if all 6 million acres of it is protected, but there is 6 million acres in the New York Adirondack area. Now, why is that more important than the 457,000 acres in Broome County? Well, why aren't the same protection that they have up there for their viewscape why don't they give us the same protection for our viewscape? Why do we have to look at these ugly solar farms? The one down the bottom of my hill has switched owners three times already. It's only a year in operation, not even a full year yet. It's ugly. You can see it from anywhere in the hills around this area. You have to go up the hill to see it because you see it from one hill to the next. But uh, it's... It, it, I was perplexed by that caller. I understand what he was trying to say, that the Adirondacks is protected because it's risky. It's the playground for the rich and the famous, the Adirondacks. There's a lot of people that live up there who aren't rich and famous, uh, uh, but they are denied a lot of things because of the viewscape. You know, yeah, it, well, it's, just it's, as we've said before, a local analogy would be they're not going to build anything um, particularly hideous in the area of Riverside Drive or most of the residential neighborhoods of Binghamton's west side, um, you know, it, as always, it's a tale of two cities, the haves and the have-nots. If you have wealth and power, they're not going to build anything that's going to affect your view or cause you to engage in so-called NIMBY activity, not in my backyard. Um, a lot of times when people react to a plan with the so-called NIMBY reaction, not in my backyard, that's because they don't have much money and don't have much political clout because that's why something, whether it was 
say, a, a proposed fracking facility or something else was going to go near their home. So, of course, you engage in NIMBY. But they would never put something that's truly offensive and irritating in a neighborhood like Riverside Drive or some of those uh, beautiful streets to the south of Riverside Drive. You know, that's how it works. That's how it works in New York. It's how it works everywhere. I, I agree with you to an extent on that, Bob, but Riverside Drive isn't a very good uh, example because right I know, I know, it's not a perfect analogy. Move on, next point. Uh, next point. All right. <laughs> right. I, I, I just don't understand what people think when they, when they come down here and take our farmland because, you know, farming is the only thing that, we can rely on in in New York State, and our farms have greatly diminished as far as keeping food prices low and fresh and things like that. And, and we're just losing our farms. We're losing our farms to solar uh, industrial solar sites. And do you think anybody who anybody? comes up with a solar project gives a darn? Gives a darn? Why? Why do investors from outside this area care about anybody, regardless of what their occupation is, whether they're into agriculture or anything else? They don't care. They're in it for the money, Victor. They, you're right. They care about getting them Carmen uh, footprint checks or whatever you call it, where they get paid for redu reducing carbon uh, emissions into the uh, air by going to solar. They collect that money, then they sell the solar farm after they collect it, just like down the road. And, you know, by the time they're done selling that thing, nobody's going to know who they're paying their bills to unless they quit paying their bill and they get a notice that they're going to be shut off from the people that own the solar farm. But uh, my point, Bob, is these things are 15-year-long life at most, at most. They, they lose 5% of their pro production capability the first year they go online, then they lose 1% after that. So you're looking at a 20% reduction in power over 20 years, and then they have to replace them with newer, improved models, which cost more, and taxpayers pay for that, too. But the taxpayers don't get it for free. The taxpayers are paying for all this stuff, Bob, just like you said a few minutes ago. Everything is done by through taxes and, and government, federal and local uh, and state. Well, when they take all, all these solar panels and put them in, they, they're, they're actually destroying the water tables underneath them because these solar panels do leach chemicals. They use chemicals to keep the grass down. Uh, yeah, uh, we know. We it, None of this is new, but none of it will change. We now go live to Senator Charles Schumer talking about the big excitement for New York State's economy. He is joined by Governor Kathy Hochul. It's a true love fest today in central New York. Berkeley. Uh, he knows certainly a good hand when he sees one. He has been brilliant in his innovations. I mean, he's not just a business leader, but he's also responsible for countless patents and innovations. So this has really been an incredible partnership, and I'm so proud of what we've been able to do together. It's been uh, it's been. Not always fun, a little tense sometimes. We got, you know, we had to work through a lot of details, but uh, this, this is life-changing for the people of our state, and it's absolutely stunning in its scale of this announcement today. So, so I, as governor, joined by the United States Majority Leader of the Senate, Chuck Schumer, we are so help, so delighted to formally welcome Sanjay and Mike Ryan to the New York family. Let us introduce our friend, San, CEO Sanjay Matrova. Matrova. This is the man, the man with the plan, Sanjay Matrola from 
Micron Technology with a stunning announcement for all of upstate New York. Let me take this one. Yeah, put that down. We're posing for a photo. It's such a great day. Mm. Sanjay Matrola just hugged Senator Schumer. Now he's preparing to hug Governor Hochul. You can get two hugs. This is this is, this is uh, two hugs. <laughs> a double hug. Gave yes. two hugs to Senator, or rather Governor Hochul. Only one hug to Senator. Schumer. Good morning, and I want to thank Chancellor Severud and Syracuse University for hosting us in this beautiful building that supports our American military veterans and their families. We are here today to announce plans for a hundred billion dollar semiconductor facility. You heard about that from Leader Schumer and Governor Hochul. But it's exciting to note that this is the largest semiconductor facility investment ever made in the United States, right here in central New York. And to make it happen, it takes a village. And I want to recognize several key players in this project. First, I'm extremely thankful to Senator Schumer and his team for all their work at the federal level and here in this state to ensure that this project would become a reality. Without the passage of CHIPS and the investment tax credit, we would not be standing here today. This all started with the Senator's ability to build a bipartisan coalition and persevere in Congress. Senator, thank you from the bottom of my heart. And thank you also to Governor Hochul for your tireless support in passing green chips legislation and welcoming Micron to here in the state. Your clear passion for Syracuse was infectious your team were gracious hosts as we explored the opportunity here over the past year. I want to thank Onondaga County Executive Ryan McMahon for his partnership and hospitality, Center State CEO Rob Simpson, and the entire team at Center State, Senator Gillibrand, Congressman John Ketko, Mayor Walsh, Kevin Yunus at Empire State Development, and the team at Syracuse University. And I would be remiss if I did not thank my team at Micron. Some of the team is present here. Manish, April, Courtney, Rob, Scott, Buddy, Dan, and of course, several others that worked for them. You were absolutely right to note earlier, Ryan, that this is the A plus team in the nation. And without this team, looking around across the country over many months, working 24-7, really, while they had their other regular day job and determining the best site for Micron is simply phenomenal. And I can't tell you guys how proud I am of you in bringing us here to central New York. And I know that this is an exciting start of a long journey ahead of great success for Micron great success for, for the community here, and of course, great success for U.S. in establishing a clear leadership. So I thank you all for 
from the bottom of my heart to make this happen. And I thank you for everybody that is here for joining us on this exciting day for Micron, for certainly the Syracuse region here, the state of New York and the country. And truly, today marks a true milestone for American technology manufacturing. So you probably know Micron, but some of you may be wondering who is Micron? We are one of the world's top semiconductor companies founded in Boise, Idaho, more than four decades ago. And Boise remains our headquarters today. We design and manufacture memory and storage semiconductors. Tiny, governor showed the chip. I have to show it to you again in case you missed it. These are tiny, this is our chip. Tiny, but powerful. Powerful and at the heart of nearly every computing system, from the smartphone in your pocket, to the driver safety system in your car, to the vast data centers and communication systems critical to everyday life, and to our national security. Memory and storage represent 30%, 30% of the semiconductor industry, the global semiconductor industry revenue. And we expect the memory market to double by the end of this decade, requiring even more manufacturing capacity. So Micron's global team of more than 45,000 has made us a technology leader, a clear technology leader across the globe in memory. It is their hard work that truly makes that announcement today possible. So I do thank all of our team members globally, 45,000 plus, who have positioned Micron to become the leader it is today and to be able to invest in the future and leadership of memory technology. Micron is an innovation powerhouse with more than 50,000 US patents and the only memory manufacturer based in the US. We use state-of-the-art equipment in vast clean rooms to create impossibly intricate circuits at massive scale. What we do is among the most advanced and difficult manufacturing processes anywhere in the world. Recently, we announced an exciting $15 billion investment at our leading-edge R&D fab in Boise to bring back manufacturing to Idaho. And today, we are really, really excited to announce plans to build a new greenfield, leading edge, memory, mega fab in Clay, New York, just outside of Syracuse here. And over the next 20 plus years, we plan to invest up to $100 billion with the first phase investment of $20 billion planned by the end of this decade. Micron's central New York site could eventually include, as Senator Schumer shared earlier, four, four 600,000 square feet clean rooms. And yes, that is equivalent of 40 US football fields, and certainly, by far, the largest semiconductor clean room ever announced in the United States. And this investment will create nearly 50,000 New York jobs over those 20 plus years, including 9,000 high paying jobs at Micron. 
The community jobs will include construction, lab construction labor, suppliers, contractors, and other supporting roles. We expect to begin preparing the site in clay in 2023 and begin construction in 2024. Production output would, would ramp in latter half of the decade to meet industry demand. And Micron will begin direct hiring for the Begafab in line with that production ramp. An investment of this scale in the US is simply not possible without significant government and community support. And in the last few decades, consistent and strategic investment by foreign governments ensured that semiconductor manufacturing projects were actually focused overseas. So the result was predictable. Today, only 2% of the world's memory is made here in the US. But we are going to change that. We are going to change that, and the New York Fab is central to Micron's strategy to grow U.S. memory production to 10% of the global supply in the next decade and to even a bigger percentage in the decade beyond. This manufacturing capability will enable U.S. supply chain resilience and security. Grants enabled by Chips and Science Act and New York's Green Chips Act will allow, project like, will allow projects like this to start construction in the U.S. at a cost competitive with the rest of the world. The investment tax credit will allow us to sustain that investment over time and keep a competitive semiconductor industry in the U.S. for decades to come. And we are deeply appreciative for the Biden administration's commitment to legislation that creates a level playing field for U.S. semiconductors. We chose New York for this leading edge fab for several reasons. First, New York has a long history of semiconductor development and manufacturing and offers promising opportunity for the memory sector. Second, Central New York offers a rich pool of diverse talent. This includes communities that today are underrepresented in technology jobs and a significant military population. Over the years, Micron has found that veterans in particular have strong skill sets for the technical roles needed in semiconductor manufacturing. Third, New York provides strong education partnerships with K, local K-12 programs, community colleges, and leading higher education institutions for top engineering and technical talent, extremely important to the semiconductor industry. And fourth, and extremely importantly, access to clean, reliable power and water to support a project of this massive scale while achieving our long-term environmental goals. Fifth, there is much to offer here for unique uh, in, in terms of for Micron employees and their families in terms of the environment, urban and outdoor lifestyles and affordable cost of living and a strong local school system. And finally, the governor and the state of New York have offered comprehensive intensives of incentives over the life of this project to support hiring and capital investments. So we are very excited to be part of this community and look forward to partnering to build the workforce.
And that was Micron Technology President and CEO Sanjay Marotra talking about the massive project that is expected to be developed in the town of Clay near Syracuse. Could employ a lot of people over the next two decades. According to Syracuse.com, New York offered state and local incentives worth at least $6 billion to land the projects. We're live and local on a Tuesday morning. If you want to uh, share in uh, thoughts about that major economic announcement for central New York and the Syracuse area, you can call 607-772-1290, or you can send an email to bob at wnbf.com. I'm Bob Joseph. You're listening to News Radio, WNBF 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, and always available on the free WNBF app. Looking for. chips up there in the town of clay every time i think of clay i think of the claymation that made gumby and pokey possible <laughs> i know i know what you're saying it's like what what do you mean by that claymation and gumby and pokey governor gumby well, that's right. Without claymation, you wouldn't have the flexibility that made Gumby possible. I was uh, born flexible. I've gotten more flexible as governor. Uh, you know, you veritable Gumby uh, you need to be to be a governor. <laughs> yeah, he's on his way back, kiddos. Not this year, but probably in about four years. Gee, I can't wait for the 2026 election cycle. And Andrew Cuomo rides in as a superhero, saving the state with his lieutenant governor candidate, Chris Cuomo, his brother. <laughs> Can you imagine a Cuomo Cuomo ticket? Speaking of that, we're now being advised that uh, the Chris Cuomo has landed a new gig on cable TV. And um, I didn't see it. I. I meant to watch it, but he claims his show is gonna be different. <laughs> he um, says it's going to be different. It's on News Nation, the News Nation channel. So if you get the News Nation channel, you'll be able to see Chris Cuomo. And apparently, the first episode. Of the Chris Cuomo show on News Nation 
was Monday, I guess. According to FoxNews.com, former CNN anchor Chris Cuomo, younger brother of disgraced New York Governor Andrew Cuomo, lashed out at conservatives for criticizing President Biden's gaffes, telling them, I don't want to hear about Biden. On his podcast, Mr. Cuomo brought up the incident where the president called out for a deceased congresswoman during a speech at the White House, arguing Biden had obviously forgotten about the congresswoman. Cuomo pushed back against conservative critics of the president's Andrew, excuse me, Chris Cuomo said, in this situation, I do not have much appetite for hearing people on the right say, listen to the gaffe. Cuomo claimed that conservatives had ignored blunders from one of the most egregious gaffe machines, the former guy. And according to this story from foxnews.com, Chris Cuomo said, you were awfully quiet about one of the most egregious gaffe machines I've ever seen in politics in my life, who was the former president. And then he went on to cite mistakes that evidently were made by the former guy. So Chris Cuomo griped, that's how it's described by foxnews.com, Mr. Cuomo griped, so I don't want to hear about Biden. He suggested Republicans were playing ugly political games by calling out President Biden's gaffes when they didn't also agree to invoking the 25th Amendment with President Trump. So there, there's, there's your Chris Cuomo. I still like this concept, which I just came up with less than two minutes ago, the idea of the dream ticket for New York Democrats in 2026, four years from now, Cuomo Cuomo. Now, initially, I was talking about Andrew Cuomo being on top of the ticket and Chris Cuomo being the lieutenant governor candidate. Let's take it one step further and actually shock the American viewing audience by saying, think about this, Chris Cuomo for governor and Andrew Cuomo for lieutenant governor in 2026. That could be an unbeatable ticket. 1055 WNBF. Oh, hold on a second. I know you're saying, but Bob, you're not going to go back to Senator Schumer talking about... No, actually, I'm not. I, I was about to, and then I thought better of it. I was going to just take a, a live hit from Senator Schumer, still congratulating himself at Syracuse University, but I'm not sure that's in our best interest. You're listening to News Radio WNBF, really live and truly loco. You're injured.
it's my sad duty to report to you that the legendary singer Loretta Lynn has died. We're told Loretta Lynn died this morning at her home in Hurricane Mills, Tennessee at the age of 90, according to a report on the New York Times website. Her family confirmed the death in a statement provided to the Associated Press. Again, Loretta Lynn has died at the age of 90. It's a Tuesday morning. I'm Bob Joseph, live and local. On WNBF Binghamton, it's 11 o'clock. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. Here's Kathy White. Good morning. We have a slight chance of some showers, otherwise clouds today, and a high in the mid-50s. A Windsor man will be sentenced in December to up to four years in prison after admitting he threatened to shoot the owner of a motorcycle he stole. The Broome County District Attorney's Office says 37-year-old Scott Frost pleaded guilty on Monday to felony robbery in connection with the vehicle theft on August 14th. According to the account from the District Attorney's Office, Frost reportedly forcibly stole the motorcycle from the owner in the town of Windsor. The authorities say Frost threatened to shoot the victim. At the time, the Windsor man was on parole for serving time in a 2014 burglary in Tioga County. Frost faces a minimum of two years and up to four years in New York State Prison when he is sentenced in a couple months. In another case in Broome County Court yesterday, the district attorney's office says a Norwich man is expected to be sent to prison for up to three years after he pleaded guilty to felony possession of a firearm. Authorities say 30-year-old Jordan Moroni was found to have an illegal unlicensed 22 caliber revolver as well as cocaine and methamphetamine in his possession during a traffic stop in the town of Barker on March 8th. Binghamton police are investigating an attack on a woman on the east side yesterday afternoon. A motorist who saw a woman being punched near Fairview United Methodist Church at around quarter after one stopped at the scene and called police for help. Witnesses reported the woman who was assaulted apparently was waiting for a bus at a B.C. transit bus stop on Robinson Street just west of Bigelow. Those who saw the incident say a man apparently came out of a nearby home and started grabbing a bag or purse that the woman was holding. They said she hit him with a bag before he started pulling her hair and then repeatedly punching her in the head after she fell to the ground. The woman who had been assaulted declined treatment from medics responding to the scene. A man was reportedly transported from Robinson Street to police headquarters. There was no further information available from the Binghamton police this morning. The former Burlington Coat Factory, now just Burlington, located at the Oakdale Mall, is going to be closing in less than a week as it moves across the river to a shopping plaza in Vestal. Burlington has been a fixture at the mall since it opened an 85,000-square-foot location in August 2003 in space that had previously been Bradley's department store. Burlington later moved to a smaller site at the Oakdale Mall. That store is scheduled to close on October 9th, although it could shut down sooner if most of the merchandise and stock is sold out. The company's website has indicated the new Burlington store in the Town Square Mall in Vestal on Route 434 is going to be ready to open on October 28th. The new store is moving into space that had been occupied by an A.C. Moore Arts and Crafts shop until that company closed all of its stores in 2020. A New York State 
task force created after a 2018 limousine crash in New York has issued a safety report with recommendations, including equipping those vehicles with side impact protection devices. It also recommends taking them right off the road after a certain number of miles. In October of 2018, a Ford Excursion Sport Utility Vehicle, which had been turned into a super-stretch limousine, crashed in Schoharie, New York, after speeding through a T-intersection without stopping. The driver and 17 people inside the vehicle were killed, along with two pedestrians. It was considered the deadliest U.S. transportation accident in nearly a decade, and that pushed lawmakers to pass a package of limousine safety legislation. The WMBF Twin Tiers forecast, clouds for today, there may be a slight chance of a shower or two moving throughout the day, a high temperature only in the mid-50s as we move toward a warming trend. Tonight, mostly cloudy, still a slight chance of showers, a low in the mid-40s. Tomorrow, mostly sunny, a high in the upper 60s to near 70. Thursday, mostly sunny, a high in the low to mid-70s. Friday, partly sunny, and the temperatures dropping back to more seasonable levels. A chance of showers at 30% for the afternoon and a high in the low 60s. Saturday, even colder, mostly sunny, a high in the mid-50s, and Sunday, sunny, a high near 60. This is where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WMBF, WMBF.com, and 92.1 FM. We'll do it live. We'll do it live! I remember when, I remember, I remember when I lost my Just knew too much. I just knew too much. And trust me, that's not a good thing. Does that make me crazy? Does that make me crazy? Does that make me crazy? Probably. Probably. Anyway, I'm trying to persevere, even though I know too much. For my own good, 607-772-1290. Bob Joseph, your community facilitator. So if you need a conversation facilitated, let's do it live. You also email the program, bob at wnbf.com. Of course, uh, just can't get over all this excitement about the Micron Technology Plant. That is going to, they say, employ thousands of people near Syracuse. That's what they say. Well, they couldn't say it right if it wasn't true. Here's something. Thanks to Terry Weaver, a news editor for Syracuse.com. And she notes on Twitter... The Micron CEO, Sanjay Marotra, 
keeps talking about lots of clean water. Here's why. The manufacturing complex could consume up to 10 million gallons of water per day, enough to supply a whole town or village. The entire city of Syracuse, by comparison, uses an average of 40 million gallons per day. So hopefully the people in the town of Clay and Onondaga County make out better than the people of Endicott and the town of Union, if you know what I mean. So hopefully there will be no micron plume because they're going to make it clean and green and mean. Sounds like an old Coca-Cola commercial. Mean Joe Green with his clean Coca-Colas. WNBF, good morning. You're on the air. What is your first name and where are you calling from? This is Roger calling from Choconut. And how are you this morning? Never better. What's on your mind, Roger? Well, a couple of little things. I was listening to some of the previous callers, and um, there's uh, people that talk about... uh, ex-president trump on the rigged election and stuff and uh, really come down on him about that but yet hillary and stacy till still talk about 2016 um and uh, as as they're entitled to and they should keep talking about it i i would imagine probably hillary rodham clinton might still be talking about it in her final seconds on the planet she has every right to talk about it she certainly didn't lead any kind of insurrection or tell her supporters to come to Washington in January 2017. It'll be wild. Uh, well, about this insurrection, it's, it's kind of silly because you're going to topple the most powerful military nation in the world with two or three hundred people, some of whom were actually let into the Capitol, and they didn't even have a 22 was it wrong that they were there? Absolutely. They shouldn't have gone in, but this has gone to a level of ridiculousness. Um, and the other, one other thing quick was um, Trump has been out of office for two years now, and um, uh, we have 8% inflation, we have Russia in Ukraine, we have Two million to four million people in fentanyl coming across the border. We have crime out of sight. North Korea just launched an ICBM over Japan, and this is the country is just going downhill. And it, I mean, I'm a pragmatist. When I hear something, I try to research it and look into it so I can come up with a, a halfway intelligent opinion on a thing. But um, uh, it's just crazy. And the other thing on the insurrection, they said that Trump voters did that. Well, if you think about it, uh, in the January 6th congressional hearings, they were hearing from states that had alleged massive voter fraud. So the only chance, if you're Trump, to get the election looked at to see if there was, was if the hearings went on. So it makes absolutely no sense at all that Trump is going to have anything to do with stopping the hearings when that was the only chance he had. The only person that won out of January 6th was Joe Biden. 
I don't see how he won out of January 6th. thing about uh, the former guy is what he got out of January 6th, he got a second impeachment, which is pretty hard to do in this country. It's um, Typically, it's been difficult to be impeached once, but to be impeached twice takes um, real expertise. And because of his efforts to refuse to acknowledge the results of the election and just general i guess many people are saying it was general poor behavior following the election and after the results were announced he um he wound up being impeached a second time which i'm not saying it won't happen given the possibility that republicans could control the house next year i would suppose uh joe biden could be impeached a few times next year if republicans do gain control how did the impeachments work out against Trump? Both of them came up with absolutely nothing. Well, you know, in the court of public opinion, though, 1116 News Radio, WNBF, WNBF.com. If you uh, have thoughts about uh, the former guy and the great things he did during his four years as President of the United States, including the way he responded to the results of the 2020 election, certainly call in. It's always fascinating to hear how people perceive the things he did and the things he said. And also, we can look forward. I, I strongly encourage people to look forward to 2024 for the, his next big act. He's taken politics in America, I think, to a new level of performance art. Just an observation. Just an observation. But then again, he's entitled to. He hasn't been convicted of anything. Bob Joseph, 1290 AM, 92.1 FM, and streaming live at WNBF.com. WNBF live and local with America's favorite, Bob Joseph. Six zero seven 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 two twelve ninety on this Tuesday morning. We go now to the town of Vestal. Good morning. Hello, boy. I'm everybody who knows me knows I'm a music freak, but that was just so loud. I think my ear just blew out. I was testing the transmitter Tuesday mornings around eleven twenty. We have to do a transmitter test. To see. Okay. What I my first point is John from Binghamton. 
and you, you're knocking Binghamton every time. If I were those people, I'll swear to God, I'd somehow try to get you off the air. Rich David and them, and, uh, and Jared Cram, and John just cuts those people down. Fred Akshar. It's like, if I was those guys, man, I'm telling you, it's amazing how... Oh, and uh, Joe Mahako is one of the nicest guys in the world. You've talked to him. I've heard him call here. I worked with that man, and he's a greatest guy. And John's always cutting him down. That drives me nuts, too. But uh, I don't know what his problem is, but wow. You know what I mean? Well, I think he loves Binghamton as much as I do. Uh, I can't say the same, but uh, I just don't. Why don't he run the place if he thinks he knows everything? You know what I'm saying? It's like he cuts down everybody. Not that I really care. It's just, hey, come on. Like, look at maybe something good that happened instead of just that negative. That's liberal, so negative. I don't think he's a liberal, though, is he? I think he is. No, he didn't used to be. He used to make fun of Matt Ryan, him and uh, Garlock. I love that. That was so funny. Remember that? Yeah, every Friday night. I always put they used to follow. They used to follow Ryan, and Ryan was like going to punch him and stuff. It was a great oh, show. Trump. They they ran it on um, Friday yeah, nights, and then the Trump the woman, business. and then after that, I think the woman with the hat was on. In this Trump business, still with that, and not the other side. None of this other. Oh, Ron DeSantis is doing a great job from this hurricane. Who is this Joy Reid? You talk about... Oh, she's on, she's on cable, just like uh, Janine yeah, Janine Pyro. Janine Pyro and Joy Reid, I think, Jane are on the same... Know, right? the, they're on the same the, channel. You asked who she was. She's on, a, she's on, uh, she's on she's the on Fox News channel. It's no, Janine Pyro and then Joy Reid, I think, on Saturday nights. person there ever was. Even black people, I see, are going, what is her problem? And that Joy Bay, what is this people named Joy are the most miserable No, you know, one the person who I used to like was Dr. Joy Brown. She used Never. to have a talk show, and uh, she was one of the first national talk show hosts back on um, WNBF when the TalkNet came on. There was Bruce Williams and, and Dr. Joy Brown, and they were... I remember Bruce. Yeah, they were great. Uh, but Joy, no, I never heard of her. Who was that one? Sally, Jesse, Raphael years ago. I oh, yeah, she had uh, red glasses. She, oh, uh, I liked her because she wore red glasses. Yeah, she was just a fashion. Yeah, I don't know. It's the same. I, just, I had to take my buddy somewhere, and I turned it on coming home, and just the same Trump bashing. You know, you people look at your bank account since Trump left office. I'll bet you it's not as much as it used to be. Can't people see that Trump had this country booming? We were all getting better off, and now it's a mess. And you people are still, oh, I'm not a Democrat. When you say that, I just, ah, you're not a Democrat. I know, I'm not a party. But you're a liberal, and you I don't tell me you vote for uh, Republicans, I know. But I vote for Republicans. I vote no, for Republicans, don't. Democrats, and even no, members don't. of don't third parties. 
unless you are a great actor on this radio show, if you're not a liberal, I would bet. Well, I'll tell you. Let's just put it this way. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna respond to that except to say Rush Limbaugh was a great actor, and he oh, he no, had a Rush. show. Rush Limbaugh, who also got his start at an AM radio station, playing music, top forty hits. So in that sense, Rush Limbaugh and I are very much alike. And Rush Limbaugh, he was a great actor. Well, you got an ego on you. I don't know why. You're in a pissing little town in Binghamton, and you think you're like, Rush Limbaugh was an institution. I don't want to be in an institution. I want to you stay in Binghamton. In I want to stay in Binghamton. This is the town where I was born. I don't want to leave Binghamton. I told you, go to Boston, but your team's in last place. I don't want to go to Boston except to see the the Red Sox lose at Fenway. That's fine by me. The red, the sweat socks. All right, you'll never. I'll never get through to you, so I don't even know. I just hear other people calling, and they like give you that Ron guy. He used to talk conservative sometimes. Did you brainwash him too? Now he's completely oh Trump's been. He used to stick up for Trump. What happens to these people? No, he sticks up. He sticks up for Trump. On occasion, no, what's going? Yeah, but then you shut them right down. Well, what let, what else can you do? You can't let that. I don't let you do that. I just yeah. no, no, no. You're not pulling that. Oh, out. I, I certainly am not going to shut you down. Because you usually hang up or push the button or whatever. When I, all right, I've had my say. All right, later. Take care. Eleven twenty-seven News Radio WNBF six zero seven 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 two twelve ninety. Also, email bob at wnbf.com. I'm half inclined to read one of your emails. Doesn't mean I will, just means between now and noon, I might. So if you want to submit an email and maybe hear it read on the air by your favorite announcer, send it to bob at wnbf.com and then stay tuned to see if you are the lucky viewer to get your email personally selected you wash your hands Eleven thirty, WNBF Binghamton. Let's go back to those hotlines at six zero seven 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 two twelve ninety. Good morning, WNBF. You're on the air. What's your first name, and where are you calling from? My first name is Vinny. I'm calling from Binghamton. Welcome, Vinny. First time caller, long time listener, no doubt. <laughs> yes, yes, first time caller. Hey, hey, Bob. You know, I um. I usually never go after people, individuals. I'd like to stay with the subject. But I, I, I do have a question for um, a previous caller, and I think a gentleman that called yesterday who tried pointing out, I think it was Doug, 
I could be wrong, who was trying to point out about the killing that happened in California and that the killer was a Democrat. I, I think my point is whenever I speak with people that are on that side, the Trump supporters, my only problem, I don't care that you're with Donald Trump. I don't care who you, you know, if you want to defend him, that's fine. But my always my problem with them is they can never come to the center on virtually nothing. Now, you know, you're talking about looking at people's bank account and what Trump did. And that, guys, we just got out of COVID. Did you forget that we went through COVID? Did you forget everybody losing their jobs? Did you forget what we were in wearing masks? Businesses closing down because of COVID. China still hasn't had got their act together. They're still doing the shutdown. Did you guys not see this? Did you understand what was happening? Backlogs at, at our ports, shortages of food. Did you guys miss this? This wasn't political. This is what happened because of this COVID. Did you guys forget that? Did American people, did we once again have this thing of amnesia? You know, you're talking about, oh, look how things are. Look at, look at, we, this, this, the stuff that you guys drag out on the right, this is the same stuff you did when your boy, George Bush, was in and we left Barack Obama and Joe Biden with crap back in 2009. This is the same thing you guys did. Got us into two wars. Our, our, our auto industry was about to fail. Had to bail out Wall Street. This is what you guys left. And the Democrats had to get in there and bail it out. And we had all those excellent months of job growth. And then this guy gets in there, and instead of really trying, understanding, do you understand that Donald Trump, we're probably going to find this out in history, Donald Trump had the opportunity to get a third party. But he blew it because he kept, he kept looking in the mirror and, and understand, well, this is all about me. He had the chance to get a third party, just like Ross Perot did, just like George Wallace did. Yeah. This is his Oh, yeah. I, he could have had a Trump party if he... I'll tell you what, if, uh, in my opinion, he could have launched a successful third party. I'm not saying necessarily that the Trump party, which, of course, that's what he would name it because that's how he operates, but if he had been serious about developing a third party, a spinoff from people who were no longer happy with the mainstream Republican Party, the GOP, he could have come up with a, a, a successful new brand and at least have been competitive in a presidential race. But he chose, instead of tempering his rhetoric and toning down his behavior, he chose to continue to be who he's been. You know, he, he as... As the legendary play-by-play -play man would say, uh, John Silver, uh, it it was a Trumpian blast. You know, that's yeah. the thing. A Trumpian blast all the time. In America, I'm convinced most Americans, as in more than 75% of all Americans over the age of 18, don't want to deal with four years of Trumpian blast. 25% probably actually fewer, we'll say maybe 18% of adults in America over the age of 18 would love it. But that's not yeah. going to get him elected. You know, his behavior, nope. unfortunately, his behavior um, speaks volumes. It, it, it is. And it, it's like, I mean, 
How are you going to get a president that's going to say that against his vice president? It was okay. shameful. It was shameful. Right. Okay. I mean, now, I won't go so far as to say vice presidents are not, vice presidents are not uh, to ever be criticized by the president. I think at times they can be and perhaps should be. But I don't think they should be in public. And certainly, I, for one, cannot support any president who suggests that his vice president be killed. Yeah, because that's they, when they broke where you got to draw the line. When they broke in that Capitol, they were looking for him. They were shot. They for wanted him. to kill him, or at least they said. Now, now here's the question. I and I honestly don't know. When push came to shove, say if some of those insurrectionists actually came t face to face with Mike Pence, do I think they would have killed him? I don't think they would have. Would they have? done something tied him up i mean it would have been scary i personally don't even think the the wildest insurrectionist really would ever have killed the vice president but i don't know and yeah, i'm glad i'm Bob, i'm glad Bob, they didn't get get in a position where they could do it yeah when you're dealing with the crowds and, and bob one more last thing i just wanted to I, I, god i wish we could have or mitch mcconnell <laughs> i'd love to see this to mitch mcconnell hey, oh, mitch. yeah I heard what the president said about your wife. Uh, you know, I think that's your wake-up call, okay? Because he said something way back in the uh, uh, um, debate about uh, Jeb Bush's wife. Yeah, but the thing it, is, it, 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 it but things when it comes, but to stuff like that. Government. But my guess is, even Mitch McConnell, the only person on the planet who could get away with saying something like that about Mitch McConnell's wife is Donald Trump because everybody has factored in he said he has something bad to say about everyone and I'm not saying it's justified I'm just saying most people are like yeah what's new every no matter if there are eight nearly eight billion people on the planet and there's only one person above reproach well he was the one who said just a while ago Mr. McConnell hey racism and bigotry is all gone in this country we elected Barack Obama. And then Trump turns around, pop, pops in with his wife. Oh, okay, Mitch. But Mitch, say that again? Yeah, it's sad. But as I say, not a surprise. 1138, more calls more often on this Tuesday morning. WNBF, you're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? I, I got an answer to him. That Benny. Yeah. <laughs> and your answer would be? That guy is so far off the wall, it's not even funny. Killed. Even you two, they would have killed Mike Pence. Well, they might have. You are out of your mind. No, I'm not. There. No, that you heard what joke. they were chanting. They chanted little witticisms, little, little uh, catchphrases that suggested they would have killed the guy. How can I get you off the air? My God, I've been trying for years. You never are going to succeed. Make your peace with it. I will be here indefinitely. I am not leaving. You're strange, you know that? I know that. It doesn't mean I'm going to leave. Right, at least you know. And that Vinny, he never looks at Hillary Clinton or any of those crooks. Oh, my goodness. Now you have to bring her into it. 1139 WNBF. Good morning, you're on the air. 
What's your first name? Where are you calling from? This is Matt. No, Matt from Binghamton. What's up? Uh, just on the issue of uh, what what this guy just said about not killing uh, not killing Pence. Certainly, I don't think everybody there wanted to kill Pence. However, if you listen closely and you pay attention to the news, the clips that they played at the part of at the Oath Keepers' beginning of their trial, and some of the clips uh, messages they sent was if we had just you know, it's well known that they had a whole cache of weapons not far from the Capitol across the Potomac. And then um, the, the guy was uh, saying if we had only brought the rifles with us and killed a, a whole bunch of politicians, um, then it would have been different. And that's what that's going to be the evidence that's shown in about the Oath Keepers. And so and they were the ones that were going single file through the crowd. Now, hey, Matt. And we're talking with the former Binghamton Mayor Matthew T. Ryan. So you you are a former defense attorney. So say if you were that guy's attorney, the guy who founded the Oath Keepers, uh, what kind of defense would you mount in this uh, trial? Well, the only one that the one that they're going to mount, which is they're claiming that uh, they were at the behest of. Um, of uh, the president at the time, Donald Trump, and that they were waiting for him to invoke the Insurrection Act, and that um, they thought he was going to do that. And, uh, you know, will we ever know if he really was thinking about that? I think maybe we'll find out. But um, I, you, know you know what? I think, I think Donald Trump ought to write a tell-all book and just once and for all set the record straight and just, uh, as they say, let it all hang out. Tell us the good, the bad, and the um, ugly. Yeah, but if you, um, you know, there's a new podcast coming up. I know some people roll their eyes, but she's done a, she did one on Spiro T. Agnew, Spiro T. Agnew. Um, Rachel Maddow, and it was right on point about who he, what he was all about. And she actually is going back to other times in our history about, um, you know, uh, her new podcast. I forget what it's called now, but anyway, it's. Uh, I think it's. I think she's very... on the on Saturday nights after uh, Janine Pyro over on the Fox. <laughs> yeah, but she her her new podcast I think is coming out this week, and it's gonna. That's why she's been taking a break from full-time MSNBC show. And I didn't she, know that, so I, I think I might listen to that. If Yeah, yeah. and it's going to be about um, former insurrectionists and I think tying right into what happened on January 6th. And she said last night, she's only on a Monday, she said, I had no idea that the trial for the current insurrectionist was going to be starting about the same time as my podcast, which is um, kind of looking into the history of insurrectionists in our country and uh, how it ties into what's going on today. All right. Well, I'll see what our listeners think uh, after they've had a chance to hear that. Thank you. That's Matt from Binghamton, who is former mayor, Matthew Ryan. More calls are coming up. Don't touch that dial. If you want to participate the number to call is 607-772-1290 this is bob joseph news radio wnbf 92.1 fm 1290 am and always available on the free wnbf app
745 with Bob Joseph. WNBF. We get it done. Monday through Friday from 9 to noon. DJ in Binghamton. Good morning. Hey, good morning, Bob. Glad to be on WNBF where nonsense breaks fast. Man, this morning has been quite the ride. I wanted to say, though, to answer um, Bob from Vessel's question about John from Binghamton, you know, I've talked with John. I like him. He's a nice guy. But there's there's some reasons why people do that. He always calls up and he sounds like he's he's killing Binghamton. He's complaining. One, it could be a symptom of depression. People who are depressed complain a lot. They just mm, No, I'm not going there. John from Binghamton pays attention to what goes on. So whether he's talking about stuff in the Binghamton area, stuff in the Syracuse area, or stuff in D.C. with our beloved president, Joe Biden, it has nothing to do with that. So that's, you know, I will say, though, John from Binghamton has been paying attention to the stuff that goes on around here in the Binghamton metro area for decades. And sometimes he has reason not necessarily to be depressed but he might have reason to be disgusted or dismayed because of the overall track record of things but you know it's it just happens i think sometimes people just get uh somewhat fatigued that a lot of the same mistakes continue to be played out over and over again and bob from vestal asked why what, what's his problem why doesn't he run for something he did he ran for school board yeah, and he also, years ago, he, he ran for Broome County Legislature. And so to say that he hasn't run for anything, that's incorrect. John from Binghamton has has run in at least two separate contests that I am aware of. Hey, and I give him credit for doing that. I've never run for anything, and I probably wouldn't because... I know myself. I I think I would be inconsolable if I ran for anything and wound up getting zero votes. The point is, Bob, you're missing the point. The point is, I'm not saying it's to put anyone down. I'm just saying the point is he he did run for uh, at least the one that I knew, and he lost. So another thing is, I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not diagnostic. I'm just saying another thing could be jealousy. Let's take Jared Cram, for instance, run, winning for mayor, and I always wanted to be mayor. And I see Jared Cram win. I call up, ah, oh, that Jared Cram, he's the worst, blah, blah, blah. That could be it. It could be a few things. But you, Bob Joseph, the number one broadcaster around here, and a legend in, you know, you're all over. <laughs> legend in my own mind. <laughs> you can turn it around, Bob. It also can come from a third thing I want to say was a lack of spirituality. If a person's not. All right. All right. You're, you've gone way too far. Not, I'm not interested in in an analysis of any other caller. If you want to self-analyze or analyze him with your friends, or if you want to do a self-analysis uh, over a glass of orange juice or Moxie Diet Moxie, I would recommend because sugar is bad for you. Do that. That's if it's bad enough that you know there there are so many people that want to address callers based on personality as opposed to ideas if you call in if you disagree with someone whether you disagree with me you disagree with any other caller or any elected official or candidate just say what the topic is 
and tell me what you think. You don't have to offer your personal amateur analysis. I don't think it's really that appropriate. It's 11:49 at News Radio WNBF WNBF.com. In case you missed it, a fantastic day. This is a fantastic day for America and more specifically for upstate New York with the dramatic announcement just a short time ago about um, Syracuse, Syracuse area. The town of Clay, uh, where Micron Technology decided that they're going to build a facility that will be the size of 40 football fields. Maybe that's why they didn't pick Binghamton, or at least Broome County, because we don't have a site that would cover 40 football fields, 2.4 million square feet. That would be the size of the clean room facilities. Actually, the massive complex would be more than 7 million square feet. So to put that into some context, the FedEx ground distribution and sorting center that will open in a few days in Kirkwood, that is a bit over 450,000 square feet, which is big. It's one of the biggest things I've seen built around here in a long time and 450,000 458,000 square feet on the industrial park road in Kirkwood so that's a big project so compare 458,000 square feet with the mega fab complex that Micron Technology says it will build near Syracuse. Well, you see what I'm saying? There's no comparison. Now, I think people around here would say the reason why we couldn't get a facility like that here is because we just don't have a site that's big enough. I don't know. I, I can't tell you if... If there's any place in Broome County, seems to me there has to be some place in Broome County that would be big enough for the facility that Micron Technology says it's going to build in a town of clay. But makes no difference now because the guy who runs Micron just announced that Sanjay Marotra, he just announced that he's going to build the thing over near Syracuse on a 1,300 acre site. So we lost out. Not that, as far as I know, not that Binghamton was in the running to begin with because you know, we probably probably couldn't find a, a site that's big enough with clean enough water. And let's hope decades from now we don't hear anything about the Micron Technology Plume. You know, like the plume that we still worry about in Endicott, the town of Union. I mean, it's always nice to have thousands of jobs, but it's even better to have clean water and clean air. 1153 WNBF. Morning. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? 
Jill from Owego. Hi, Jill. A matter of quick, com- a matter of quick comparison. An acre is pro- approximately forty-three thousand square feet. So, the I guess it's the Kirkwood facility would cover ten acres. For those people who have, you know, a need for a different means of comparison, uh, figure the Kirkwood is ten acres. Is there a site twice that size, twenty acres, what have you? Just thought you'd be interested. So here, here's a question to you. Is there a place in Broome or Tioga counties, a 1,300-acre site, where they could build a complex like this? A 1,300-acre? Uh, no, there's nothing in Tioga County that would be 1,300 acres. Okay. I, I have to do some more th- looking and thinking, but you caught me by surprise. Okay. Thanks, Bob. Yeah. Yeah, look into that. I... I guess 1,300 acres in Broome County might be out of the question. But the more I think about it, there are some pretty sizable sections of Tioga County that I think would be just super, super duper for Micron technology. Maybe maybe we can contact Sanjay Marotra and say, hey, look, we have a comparable site. And we have even better things to offer you than the people in the town of Clay. And so maybe we can, at the last minute, somehow snatch this victory away from the people of Syracuse. I'm kidding. Not serious. Some people are saying, did you hear what he just said? That's not right. Well, that's just kidding. Still not right. Don't kid about that. Well... As we learned during Andrew Cuomo's administration, for the better part of a decade, the whole point of New York State, remember when he had the Hunger Games, where every region of the state had to compete against the others in order to get handouts from Albany? So, yeah, I guess we are all happy for the people in the Syracuse area at this plant could be built there. Notice I say could be built. We'll see how far this goes. But if they're talking about building something like this, yeah, it's great for upstate New York. And so we commend the people of the Syracuse area for evidently working with Senator Schumer and Governor Hochul to come up with an incentive package of more than $6 billion that worked to convince... Sanjay Marotra from Micron Technology that I'd be a good good place to build the semiconductor fab plants. I guess there are going to be four of them, so they'll call them the Fab Four. But it still it still begs the question why I know it sounds like sour grapes, and maybe it is, but it does beg the question why places like Endicott don't get even more stuff. Yeah, but you know, we should be I'm I'm happy with Endicott. You know, if we have a successful battery manufacturing facility, that'll be great. It'll be excellent. WNBF, good morning. You're on the air. Where are you calling from? Uh, What's your first name? I am. I would be Phil and I'm calling from uh, outside of Philadelphia. Yeah, what's up? 
How are you? Good. What's I, up? I hear you talking about Micron and um, uh, them wanting to build the employees in, in at IBM back in back in the day, and we're going back to the '90s. Would sit on the uh, the voting dock where they had the uh, the barrels of trichloroethanol uh, stored and shoot holes in them, and they'd go into the groundwater in the middle of the evening. So why would they do that? Why wouldn't the people run the company say, stop doing that? Well, one would think. One would think, but this was, uh, you know, uh, management's their eight to five. Well, it wasn't very uh, wise, if true. If true, that's shocking, but what can you do? Um, those were simpler times. Maybe people didn't know better, or maybe they were just bored. I don't know. That's first time I've heard that. Disturbing, if true. It's 11.58 at News Radio, WNBF. I'm Father. News Radio, 1290, Mission accomplished. Proud of our Tuesday program. I'll be back Wednesday morning with another delightful live local episode. This is Bob Joseph. Hope you have a great afternoon and a great evening. You're listening to News Radio, WNBF Binghamton and WNBF.com.